Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Episode 41 of the Rising Champions podcast, Kyle Bogey alongside Dr. Jason Ivetsky of the Champion Mindset Group. And uh, Doc, we have a, a great episode, good conversation uh, coming up. And of course, any way, any chance really that we can uh, tie it into golf and, you know, have a conversation within the golf community and one of the leaders uh, who is, I think, inspiring, you know, young golfers and, and more to go on and do some great things. Uh, we have uh, Leon Braestead, uh the Brother Rice golf coach, uh, Brother Rice and Marion, excuse me, golf coach. So looking forward to that conversation uh, coming up. And we've actually had a couple of his uh, students, if you will, a couple of his golfers on the Rising Champions podcast as well. So it should be great. Absolutely. Looking forward to having Coach on. Uh, I've worked with uh, his teams over the years and lots of his players, as you know. So looking forward to getting his insights from the coaching sidelines uh, for high school golf. Well, I, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't open up with uh, a little bit of master's discussion here. You know, speaking of watching from the sideline, I got to believe that you were doing uh, quite a bit of that uh, and kind of evaluating things as they were happening, not only over the you know f- four days, but really over that final round for Hideki Matsuyama, who had to sleep on a pretty significant lead going into that final round of the masters. And, you know, if that wasn't enough pressure, the pressure of being potentially the first male, uh, you know, golfer to win a major uh, from Japanese, uh, you know, descent obviously would be even more pressure, but then you finally get out there and and things actually get underway. And I just, I, I marvel at, you know, the way that he was able to handle the first shot of his final round, the first hole of his final round and really just kind of stem that tide, you know, keep that tidal wave of what could have been a really bad round away, you know, until we got into some of those later holes. But right out of the gate, first shot of the day, boom, way right into the trees. He bogeys the first. Will Zalatoris, birdie, birdie to start his final hmm. round. And all of a sudden that lead, you know, is right down to basically nothing. But Matsuyama was just so strong, I think, mentally that he, he just kept going. It really is a testament to his internal fortitude. I mean, to have the weight of an entire country on your back and you know everybody in Japan was watching. And I'm sure he got tons of phone calls and lots of support as well. But to have that on you and to sleep on that lead, as you said, had to be probably the most pressure-packed situation I think almost any golfer in history has ever had if you really think about it I know Ryder Cups are incredibly tough and but you're at least on a team but he's out there by himself he and his caddy and that's it and the whole world is watching him and yeah it starts out bad and and another guy to talk about is Zalatoros what an incredible story he is too kind of the opposite of Matiyama, just some kind of a freewheeling spirit, Owen Wilson kind of guy, if you will, you know, just kind of out there doing his thing. And it was really fun, the, the contrast in styles uh, to watch throughout the day. I thought it was incredible. Well, we might as well talk about Zalatoris uh, right now before we get to, you know, to me, the, the defining moments, you know, of that final round of the Masters uh, for Hideki Matsuyama. But with Zalatoris, I, 
I remember uh, saying this, uh, I think it was to a friend uh, right before the final round got started. And I said, you know, look, to me, who's going to win this today? And, and in my mind, Zalatoris was the guy because I thought he's so young, he, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And, right. and I, I thought, seriously, going into it, I was like, he's not going to play with – he has no clue, I don't think at least, the magnitude of what he's accomplishing, even just being in contention going into the final day. And I expected him to come out and play well. Now, I didn't expect him to, you know, back-to-back birdies to open up, and he's just bombing the ball and confident as ever. But that was absolutely remarkable to see him handle that success because most people in golf would go, oh, yeah, yeah, look. You can play those first three rounds and not think and all that, but you're in contention on Sunday. That pressure is going to start to get to you. And I truly never felt like the pressure actually got to him. It was, it was incredible. It really was. I mean, if you just watched his body language, he was real carefree. He was smiling. He hit a bad shot. He kind of shrugged his shoulders and like, whatever, you know, we're moving on to the next one. And I think that's a great attitude to have. So I hope he continues to have that kind of attitude because he's, he's going to be fun to watch for a long time if he can stick around. Yeah, I mean, I just hope he doesn't get frustrated because he can't be uh, – he can't compete in the FedEx Cup. Uh, you know, he's technically – he doesn't have tour status. So right. even though he finished sixth in the U.S. Open this past year and second solo in the Masters, he still technically doesn't qualify for um, the FedEx Cup, which is just insane. I mean, I, how can you not change the rules a little bit um, you know, for that situation. But nonetheless, I mean, he loses by one. I, you know, at, yeah. when all is said and done, he loses by one. It's right. just – it's unbelievable. Plus, he got a big shout-out from Adam Sandler or Happy Gilmore um, yeah. on social media, which is just great. And he's friends um, with Tony Romo. Yeah, yeah. Just so <laughs> bizarre. I mean, yeah. what a wild story. Um, but I thought he handled it, you know, tremendously. And I will say, and i got to believe that you appreciate this as well, he claims, now who knows if it's actually true or not, but he claims he had his phone shut off all four days. So he hadn't mm. looked at his phone yet when he was doing the post-mortem, you know, mortem, if you will, interview. Uh, so I got to believe, A, that allowed him to lock in even more so over the, you know, those four days. But mm. B, oh my goodness, I can't imagine what his phone looked like when he actually turned it on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure whatever service provider he had was blowing up, I'm sure. Yeah. Broke a record for messages within a three-day period, I imagine. All those notifications. Yeah, no yes. doubt. Well, obviously, the, the Masters champion, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, it, it didn't come without at least a little bit of a blip uh, on the radar. It, it felt like it was going to be totally drama-free. You know, he's got a five-shot lead, I think five to play, and you get to that par five uh, 15th, and he's sitting in the middle of the fairway. And Xander Shoffley, sure, he had a couple of birdies in a row, but he's still way back. I mean, you don't think there's any possibility that Matsuyama's going to screw it up. And then all of a sudden, he just overcooks his four iron over the green into the water. And Shoffley was in the bunker to the right. But if you watched a couple of holes prior, Zalatoris was able to literally save birdie out of that same exact bunker. So not the most difficult bunker shot in the world, at least for the pros, and Shoffley is able to birdie, so he's at least going to get one stroke potentially. Matsuyama somehow able to play it conservatively enough, well enough to just get up and down for bogey, only lose one shot toward his score, even mm-hmm. though he ended up dropping two to Shoffley. I-, I thought the way he handled that hole um, after that ball went in the water was tremendous. Yeah, he showed a lot of resiliency there, and 
and just learned from it and moved on. And that's, that's all he can do because as we talked about so many times, you can't go back and change the past. So there's no point kicking yourself over and over for us. So let's just move on and control what we can. And uh, let's, let's, let's focus on the next shot. And unfortunately, Shosley then puts one in the drink later on. And that's the end of that. See that that's the the most disappointing part. Not not that you know I, I don't want to act like I was sitting there rooting for Matsuyama to fail, but I obviously from a viewing perspective, yeah, I wanted to see some drama. I I would have loved to have seen a playoff hole or you know whatever. Um, and it felt like we were going to get that. And then mm-hmm. as you said, you know, Shoffley ends up flushing an eight iron. Wrong club though. He should have hit a seven. Um, and he ends up tripling. And and really that was it. You know, it it came down to eighteen. And all Matsuyama needed to do was bogey and, and he was good to go. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, I, I thought, you know, one of the more impressive shots of the day, and you can, I mean, there's, you can run down the list of, of great shots that he had, but that T ball on 18, knowing, you know, even knowing you only have to bogey to win, that, that, that can still mess with you. And he went up there and just ripped one. I mean, he didn't even think about it. He had a club twirl. He picked up the tee immediately. Yes, he went in the bunker, and, you know, sure, he lost a shot. But I, I thought that tee ball was just unbelievable. It is. And, you know, think about it. As a young kid, how many times have all of us said, this is for the Masters or this is for the World Series or whatever the case may be? And, and that's what he was doing. He was living it out whether you're from America or Japan or whatever it is, you've still done that as a little boy or a little girl your whole life. So he was in that moment and he walked up with great body language and great confidence and just striped one and, and finished the whole strong. And once you get that tee shot in the fairway, it's like, I got this, you know, <laughs> that's the hardest shot to get out of there. Cause you know, you can, you can bunch your way up to the green from there. No, there's no doubt. I, you know, the only, um, I don't know, anticlimactic or, or I thought, you know, weird thing was, unfortunately for him, he, he didn't have any family. Um, you know, there, his yeah. wife, unfortunately, wasn't in attendance. So everyone was over waking up to coffee, uh, you know, and watching, uh, you know, him hang on and, and win the, the green jacket and all of that. But um, his caddy had one of the more poignant moments, I think, probably oh, yes. the most poignant moment um, of the tournament, you know, going back out to put the the pin back in, he'd already taken the flag because obviously right. he's going to keep that and they'll, yep. uh, they'll, they'll uh, enjoy that, I think, for years to come. But, <clears throat> you know, to go out and, and essentially bow on 18 and, you know, show respect to the course, to the game, to the, to the Masters, to Augusta, um, it, it's getting a lot of attention and I think deservedly so. That was just – that was fantastic. That was really cool. You know, I, I didn't see it happen live. I happened to catch it on Twitter and then went back and watched the video and uh, – Gave me chills, you know, watching that. I thought that was a, a really unique moment in sports. Kind of goes along with every time I, I watch the end of the Stanley Cup and watch the team shake hands, you know, after a hard-fought series. Kind of the same respect uh, to the game. I, I really like that kind of stuff. That See, that to me, one of the most difficult things that you can do is, is do that, the handshake after, say, your season ends or you get eliminated or, you know, whatever it may be being able to just suck that up for a second and, and, you know, keep all the emotions out of it and, you know, the passion and all that, you know, I run a little bit hot, but um, (laughs) it it is, I mean, that's not easy to do, you know, we can preach that upon, you know, young people and young athletes. And I'll certainly preach that to my daughter when, you know, she inevitably ends up playing sports, but that is, that is such an overlooked thing to be able to do because it's not easy. Um, 
you know, especially if you're a competitor, it's not easy to just turn that off and congratulate the person, the team, you know, whatever that just, just ended you essentially. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, without further ado, we are going to uh, go ahead and get to uh, just what I think is going to be a tremendous guest here again on episode 41 of the rising champions podcast. We have uh, golf coach Leon Braystead, uh, the head golf coach at Marion, and of course, at Brother Rice. Uh, you know, I know Doc, you've worked with uh, a couple of his golfers. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to go ahead and get to him here on the Rising Champions podcast. All right. Well, obviously, any chance uh, we get to, you know, turn the Rising Champions podcast into a de facto uh, golf podcast, uh, you know, it, it's always a good time. And, uh, you know, really excited to, uh, to have you on here, coach. I know, uh, you know, obviously, this is an exciting time of year as the season. Uh, is kind of starting to ramp up. So, uh, you know, I, I can't, you know, say it any better, but this is the best time of year, isn't it? As winter is officially over, the sun is shining and golf season has officially arrived. That is correct. I had a tournament yesterday, Detroit golf club. It's uh, 2014. So it's, uh, we're ready to go. And, uh, coach, uh, doctor, like I'm at red run next Monday and from Howell next Monday. So that's good. Yeah, that'll be great. Be looking forward to having you out at Red Run and uh, seeing the seeing the kids out there. Well, well, Coach, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on. Uh, you know, you are uh, just a champion in our in our community um, as a golf coach. Uh, we know and congratulations on winning the National Golf Coach of the Year in 2019. That's quite an accomplishment. I know you were more than honored uh, to receive that award. Tell us about that experience, though. That must have been something else. Uh, I, I went out there not thinking I was going to win, but I'm the golf chair, and I went out there, and they all kind of tell me, first-year people don't win. So I went out there, but it was just interesting hearing from North Dakota, South Dakota, and you hear their resumes. They were good. They're good resumes. But then they go, can you tell us about your golf program in Michigan? How do you do this? How do you do that? I'm put to have, I'm put to have other people do panels. I conducted every panel. I started off with four people. At the end of the week, I had about 25, 30 people all wanting tips about how to make the program, what you do to get the kids interested, like we're doing on the phone, like I'm doing right now, positive reinforcement, type of activities you do to keep the kids interested, boys and girls. Because I told my one time I had 40 kids in a golf program, they're lucky to get five or six. Wow. And I generated, though, that's what I was doing. It was just interesting. And I winged it a lot, but it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked out, clearly. Yeah, it did. And then when I got the award, I was just, I was just flabbergasted. I was just kind of emotional that all these years I've done, it, it came to something. I would just, I just won an award in Michigan, got inducted in Michigan High School Hall of Fame. I'm doing that in September. Mm. So I just got that word about a week ago. So Congratulations. Well-deserved for sure. For sure. Thank I, you. I, I got to believe, and, you know, Doc, I'm sure you, you. you would attest to this as well. But, Coach, um, you know, I, I, obviously those – the accolades are, are incredible, but I, I have to believe that it's it's – watching the success of, you know, your golfers, it, you know, doc, it's watching, you know, anyone that you've worked with go on and have, you know, some incredible success that has to be, you know, incredibly fulfilling and really the best part about uh, really about what both of you do, honestly, on a daily basis. It is, but I, uh, yeah, I'm very humble about it. You could, you could say when I got that award national, they go, what's your thoughts? And I go, I'm one of the players making And I, and I, and I'm always giving out. If you said, like the first thing he said, oh, you're doing a coach day. And I turned around and said, oh, we miss you on the radio. I'm very sincere. I always give all this thing. 
doctor's great out of Red Run. I didn't realize I was talking to his wife for one day. I go, oh, I know. I said it's all good. But it's just, I'm all about giving, and I think I never try to take credit. As soon as you say, oh, great job, and I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed right now. And that's just the way I am. I, I just, I'm, oh, you're doing a great job. I thank you. And I'm always trying to do something else to give, turn around, give everyone else the positive thing. No, you said being successful. It's not only done in the golf course. It's what the kids do in the classroom. So I, I take pride in when a kid tell me, oh, he's going to go play a college golf. But I'm the first one to tell you, well, I have two kids, one's at Notre Dame and one's at West Point that were in my golf program for four years. I take pride in that, too. Absolutely. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, really that well-rounded approach to being a coach. And, you know, speaking of that, we've had, you know, you know, I know Shannon Kennedy very well and Lorenzo Panelli very well. And we've had them yep. both on our, on our podcast. And I'm really curious on, on your take on those two fine young people and, you know, how they exemplify what you're trying to teach and coach uh, in high school golf. Uh, I was, I, uh, they're a coach, every coach's dream. That they are that good of a player, but they're well, like you said, they're a well-rounded individual. If I ask Lorenzo and Shannon, I go, uh, can you go work with this person? Yes. Can you go do this? Can you rub off your talent and say, what makes you that good? They'll go with that extra, extra mile, the extra length to say, hey, I'm going to hurt that, help that kid that might be struggling. I can go to Shannon and say, Shannon, you're probably the best team player on my team. Uh, can you play number five today? Sure, coach. What do you want me to do? They just want to play. It's not the ego. It's not, I have to play one. Whatever they ask them to do, they do. If I said, can you go babysit? They'd go babysit. The rounds are the same way. As soon as they're done playing, oh, high five and everything. But they, they want to go to the putting green. They want to go back to the driving range, mm. find out where they did. There's that typical person that want to go the extra. They're never satisfied. But sometimes you've got to tell them it's okay to make mistakes. We're all human. Don't burn yourself out. So that's that part, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes complete sense. And we've seen that exemplified uh, from our discussions with them and, and their play on the courses. I mean, uh, you know, Shannon and Lorenzo are, are just terrific individuals. And like you said, they go that extra mile and they, they never ask questions in terms of what you're asking of them. Uh, they just go out there and do what's necessary. Right. And yesterday, yesterday, Lorenzo, it was his first high school match tournament. And he's going, I'm loving this because it was the team atmosphere. They got to play individual. How's the team, how's the team doing? Hey, it was, it was, hey, how's it doing? Okay, wait, how's Marcus playing? He was asking about everybody else besides his own game. She became the team. And that's what a lot of those guys, they don't get it. They get that team. And it's a whole other component. So that's a good thing there. It's a great point. Yeah, well, one of the things that I, I really loved when we had a chance to, uh, to talk to Shannon specifically was um, she's not afraid to grind. You know, and, and golf, golf is such a game of failure and mistakes and things not necessarily going your way and hitting a good shot and not being rewarded for it. And, you know, whether it was her coming back, you know, to win the state title like she did, the, you know, this past season or, you know, I guess how you go about just handling some of the adversity. You have to have such a, a, a different mindset and, and attitude, I think, on the golf course because some people – don't want to grind. Some people don't want to deal with, you know, carting a, a, a double, you know, out there and then having to fight back and get those couple strokes back. Some people can get so frustrated and not, you know, again, try to battle through something like that. I think there's so many lessons, not only on the course, obviously, in handling it like that, but I think off the course, that teaches you so much as well because things aren't going to go your way. You're, you're going to get, you know, kicked around a little bit. It's how you respond and how you come back and turn it into a positive 
that really is, you know, what life is all about. Right. It's, uh, but the good that is you find out what they excel in, in terms of if, if Shannon were hit a bad shot, you need someone to talk to, uh, Shannon, or if, like she came yesterday. I don't know that I asked her, we had a golf tournament in Sentech and I could do a favor. Can you come and present the award to the winner? Because it was named after your dad's company. Okay. Go, oh, coach, no problem to do that. But it's, you find out too, when I said, instead, I didn't talk to you yesterday about golf. I said, hey, if we talked about basketball, we talked about Florida. I get to know the kids besides in the classroom and on the golf course, you find out their strength and weakness, what they like to do besides playing the golf. They're all they're doing is golf, golf, golf. The rounds of Benelli, golf, golf, golf. Now it's, hey, let's, let's think about this. You're going on your next trip. What is your next uh, nutrition? Get them to talk about something besides golf. That's where you could connect with them. Now, I just, if I were to talk with Dr. Nevesky right now, I wouldn't, the last thing I'm talking about is school psychologists. Like, I want to talk about his game over Red Run. Hey, what's your favorite hole? To let them know they're, they're other human beings rather than just a golfer, and they're both well rounded. They'll talk to you about politics, they'll talk about dance or whatever. And that, that's, that's what I like about it. And it just, that's what I think I've been successful is you get to know them in and out. Like, as a teacher, I, had, I just went to a dance recital last week to watch a kid dance. So wow. I'm interested in them besides just in the classroom. I think I that's so important. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, we coaches so often will be one-dimensional when it comes right. to their players. And what you're describing there is three dimensions, really. You, you, you know the sport. You know, you know how to teach those fundamentals. And you get to know the players, but you even go to another dimension and really get to know them and their families and other things that they're interested in. And and that's what makes kids want to run through those brick walls for you because they know, you know, it's, it's not so much what you know, but they know how much you care uh, about them as individuals more than just players. So the, the person becomes greater than the player uh, in in a situation that you're coaching in. And I think that's why I know that's why, You've, been, you've had the success you've had. But you're right. Go ahead. Yeah. I just like you, like, that, like we do a game. We, we, you know how some coaches will go to the driving range, we'll go to the putting green. My putting green is I do, we do some drills, but before they leave last minute, we're playing a Ryder Cup. It's me and Kyle, me and Kyle against Dr. Doctor and your buddy, and we're playing the first one time around, three, four holes, we're playing a two-man scramble. Then we're playing uh, two-man scramble, then we're playing an alternate shot. We play a best ball, winners get a... Uh, a milkshake. We tie it into the game, but it's they got enough stress on themselves. Okay, you guys, you guys deal with you. You know, Doc, you deal with parents put a lot of pressure on the kids. Sure. And so you told me go ahead, but you're, they put pressure. So I take that out of that in terms of have fun. I don't enjoy the game. The game they love and go from there. I don't know if that's what you're asking, but I, I just comes to my mind. Absolutely. And for those of us that are listening, uh, you know, coach is outside where he needs to be coaching kids. So if you have the, some sound issues, that's why coach is outside and that's where he is all the time. So coach, you have a big season coming up here. Obviously there's some, some high expectations. Uh, we all know that you got some really good players uh, at brother rice this year. I'm curious, how are you helping them temper those expectations and, and stay focused on, you know, one shot at a time, uh, when they're out, uh, we all we all tell them to go to the doctor, doctor Nebeski. How <laughs> 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 you like that one, Kyle? Um, you know we can't. If you know, it's, it's, it's you know, it's like we played yesterday. Um, 
golf is every day is a new day. It's one shot at a time. You can't look ahead. And we, like you just said it, we have like eight, nine guys that I could put in any time right now in yeah. a competition between them, but we're playing a different tournament, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. You have to go one day at a time. Golf is a learning experience. Some days you have a good day. Some days you don't. Uh, you're saying positive reinforcement. Like yesterday, one of the kids shoots uh, one of my one of our better players shot the highest score in four years. I had him for the highest mm. round he has. So we leave, and it was don't get yourself down. Everyone else picks each other up. It's that thing is you've already stuck up for everyone else for the last four or five four years. You just haven't had a not so good day. Boom! Everyone else stepped up. You motivate each other, and he's one of our captains. You just gotcha. gotta go once. To, it's a uh, I sometimes think the kids are burned out. He played he played Friday. He played Saturday and. Uh, four hours of downpour rain. The mm. last place, and then he plays Sunday. The last place he wants to be on Monday is another golf tournament, but he, he drugged it off, went out and played. He didn't give up. He didn't give up, but I just, it's all about being focused, uh, not not getting too stressed out. And like, for example, he's playing golf today in a match, and then he's not going to play golf for three days. Go to time to get away from the game. Do something like go read a book or something. Uh, get something away from the golf. Go hit balls or something but you can't burn yourself out. And we see, I see a lot of parents and everything. I, I know they get a lot. You probably see it and Kyle probably hears it. It's a, you get a, and I love the parents, but sometimes they put too much pressure and they're getting enough pressure and they put them on themselves. And I mm-hmm. use that movie, that line in the movie Hoosier. And when uh, Gene Hackman basically says, and I try to tell them, they go, coach, that's a real movie. I go, I get it, but it works. <laughs> when, when, they, when, they, when he's just in there and goes, who are you playing for? Well, I'm going to play for this. I'm going to play for my dad and whatever. And then coach turns around and says, why don't you do it for yourself? Mm. You don't, if you're, if you're, if you're putting too much pressure on then give up, you shouldn't give it up, but you got to do it to keep yourself happy. When you're not having fun, that's why you walk away. I used to coach basketball and I took about five years off because I wasn't having fun because I wanted to win more than the kids did. Mm. Inter- very interesting. interesting. I, I, I got to tell you, if, uh, if any of your players need a confidence boost or, you know, they need to feel better about their game or their swing, you can bring them over to red run and they can watch me hack it away on the range. <laughs> Okay, it's just all they have to do is take one look at me, and they'll go, "Wow, I could be a lot worse." <laughs> life, that, life's a dream, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but the I coach tennis too. No I, kidding. I coach tennis, where I teach. I teach, I teach seventh, eighth grade. I coach sixth, seventh, eighth grade tennis. I don't try to cut anybody. I try tennis team. The coach, sure, come out, and I put them on the team, and everyone plays. But I also find out which kids are athletes athletes can do it and they come out and I try to make it a learning experience very positive. It's a lifelong sport. You never know, like with my golfers like that, and I heard from someone say, if you cut them, you never know that person is going to be the next Bill Gates or the next yeah. person that's going to come back and go, you know, you made a difference in my life. And that's one of the ones I became a teacher. I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. And by putting them in a match, he shoots 50. It might be the best 50 you ever shot, but you know, five, 10 years from now, you let them go off and come back. What can I do for you? I don't do it for that reason. I like to hear the accolade when they come back and say, Coach, I went to college. All my roommates are golfers, and thanks for making it possible. Once again, I look out for everybody else. That's the thing. Wow. Well, Kyle, I think that's a great way to end the conversation because yeah. I, I couldn't set it any better than that. I think, you know, like I said earlier, it's not what you know. It's how much you care, and it's not how many championships you win. It's how many wedding invitations you get from your players when you when after you retire. So I think that's a great way to, to look at golf, coaching, and coaching and teaching in general. So 
Coach Leon, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're an inspiration to all of us that uh, work with young people. And uh, hopefully what you're doing is rubbing off on other coaches in our community. I appreciate that. I appreciate the time interviewing me. This, this has been making my day. It's one of my bucket lists. Seriously. All right. Like, like, last year, I'm, I'm not making it up. When you called, I'm like, oh, my God, I told everybody. <laughs> I've, been nervous. Oh, I've, been, I've been nervous all day. Trying to be fair. Coming up. What am I going to say? <laughs> As you might do with a lot of people, but I'm one of the ones that, that I'm one of the ones that I would say to you guys after the newspaper interviews me. I was like, did I say the right thing? Did I put anybody down? I'll be yeah. up. You want to know something? This has been a bucket list. Seriously, I'll go inside oh. of school and they got to go. You fulfilled another bucket list. Yeah. Well, we're just, honored to you have you on. Made, you made my day. Thank you. Oh, Thank you coach. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks, Coach. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.